Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Fallout Roundtable. This is a place where diverse individuals discuss various topics from the Fallout universe. Join us, the conversation has already started. Welcome everybody to the Fallout Roundtable, or like another episode of the Fallout Roundtable. I, I am your vote captain for whenever you're listening to this show. Maverick Stone, and today we got the full crew on today, which is a surprise to everybody here. We got Gingerino, we got Romer, we got Sassy, we got Jaxus. Everybody hello. say hello. He actually remembered me. Hello. hello. I know, I was just thinking that. He remembered you tonight. <laughs> it's a but special night. In- but before we introduce our guest of tonight, let me remind you to please re- Rate, review, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can see weird things that while we're talking. You can look us up at the Fallout Roundtable or just Fallout Roundtable. How you know it's us? It's the same logo that's on our Spotify. If you have a Twitter account, how about you give us a follow at Fallout RTV? Or how about you just send us an email at falloutrtv at gmail.com? Woo! Yeah, now boy. for the guest of the evening. He is a member. He is. God damn! I'm sorry. It's it's the guy that created uh, the most files. You know when the like the plane's bouncing and you're like, is it gonna stick the landing? And then the and then the wheel gives out and it just knows. Yeah, it happens at least once. You're doing good. Say hello, Lawrence. No, very glad to be here. Thank you very much for having me on tonight. Appreciate it. Yes, welcome to our train wreck. <laughs> yes, welcome to our train wreck. He is our very first guest. He he was our very first guest when we started. Yes, he was. Way back when. Way back when. Nothing much has changed. Not much has changed. It's like, that. feels like I never left. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the last time I was here. <laughs> Love it. Except Except my intros are better now. That's that. true. He has done a lot better, and we're super happy to have you on. This is exciting. <laughs> Thank you. Very glad to be well, here. Yeah, let me just move it. Let me just pass the mic on to our host of the evening, Sassy Lady. Go ahead. Oh, it's me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're the one that came up with this topic. I guess I did. Um, and I came and incidentally, I came up with this topic uh, after listening to one of Lawrence's um, productions of his enclave files it was uh towards the end of season Modus two files say it right oh sorry <laughs> the modus files i knew that was wrong I, I said it and i was like that doesn't seem right but okay um i think it was the season two ender uh mm-hmm. there was i, I don't want to like i don't know has everybody listened to it by now i should hope so no no i need <laughs> to catch up i'm sorry i'm sorry that's really bad of me with the exception of i maverick. love the show i love the show <laughs> like your ears maverick you can't listen now right <laughs> Cover your ears. There might be spoilers. It'll be accidental. Uh, but it, it just made me think about here, you know, here you are, you staging this big battle uh, between these super duper mutants, I guess, versus, you know, the Enclave super and duper. their buddy pal, Graham. And everybody's <laughs> like, holy cow, we're with him. Like, how can this be? And they're kind of scared of him. And then, you know, and you've got other people who are like, it's cool. It's cool. He's with us. So that kind of got me thinking about 
figures like Graham or, um, you know, some of the others from the other games. And how is it that like Fox and, and uh, Brain just died. Uh, some of the other ones, uh, Virgil, that was the other one I was trying to think of. Um, how did they manage to retain their humanity and still be able to not only talk to people, but want to help people or work with people versus the way we know super mutants? Right. That, that's I mean, it's, that was yeah, my loose I, idea. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it, it's actually a great topic. And, and FEV, which is the forced evolutionary virus, which causes super mutants along with, you know, in Fallout 76, it's actually responsible for a number of the cryptids that we find in the game, like Snallygaster, Grafton Monster, um, potentially even the Wendigo, though uh, there's some discussion there about whether or not that's what kind of cryptid that actually is. Yeah. But but FEV is actually at the heart of a lot of the Fallout games. In fact, the master who is the um, evil villain in Fallout, the original game, mm -hmm. was using the forced evolutionary virus to try to turn all humans into super mutants. And that's like his master plan to take over the world. And so the, the so if we kind of look at FEV, it goes back to before the war. Um, it actually started when the Chinese started using biological weapons in the war against the United States. And that's actually where the new plague came from. So the government put out a contract for West Tech to try to develop a, they called it the pan, pan immunity virus, mm -hmm. um, which was a way to try to make it so that the US citizenry would not get infected by the, the, the plague. And then of course they realized that it had other applications once they figured out that it was um, something that they could actually force mutations. So it's turned into actually two separate parts of the program. And we learned about this in all of the various games that there was actually two branches of FEV research. There was one, which was the super soldier research, which created super mutants. And at West Tech, originally in Appalachia, they were looking at it to try to make crops grow faster and larger because it was a food crisis in the United States. And so they were going to use that to basically make, you know, like 10 foot long cucumbers or whatever. I don't, I don't know. Um, but it, but when you look at it in the game, though, they abandoned that research because ultimately they were pouring all of their money into military research. So that's where so that's really at the end of the day where FEV came from. It was a military project designed to create super soldiers and then they got super mutants uh, beyond that. Um, actually, so it was being researched in a couple of different places. Sorry, I'm I'm bouncing around a little bit, okay. uh, but I'm also a lore nut. So I yeah, kind of no, do that. Clearly. So. So, oh, so on the West Coast, West Tech was actually using the the Mariposa facility to to do most of their research, and that's where you had some of the most advanced strains of FEV. Um, so, actually, taking that uh, that branch was one of the reasons why the super mutants in Fallout and Fallout Two were actually much smarter. Uh, you actually had more super mutants that retained a higher level of intelligence. They were not all just kind of frenzied opponents. They could talk to you. They interacted with you. They could actually plan. The Nightkin were actually some of the first super mutants that the um, the master created. Um, on the west, on the east coast, again, it was in Appalachia. It was in West Tech. There, the strain they were using was, I would say, a lot more unstable. And the super mutants that they created out of the citizenry of Huntersville, for instance, they look like super mutants, they act like super mutants, but they had probably half the intelligence. So you have, so was that the strain? Was it the people they were infecting? I like to think that it was probably the strain because they were working with so many different varieties. 
Um, but like any virus, it mutates. And one of the reasons I think that we find uh, characters within the Fallout universe, these super mutants that actually are retain a, a much larger part of their our, their humanity, like Graham, for instance, or what about Gale. like Foxy on the East Coast, though, because he was part of that other strain, right? But well, he, yeah, but he's later, right? In yeah, the he, he is. He is later, and he actually came from Vault eighty seven. And the research that they were doing with uh, FEV there was different. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I would say that there was probably a dozen different strains that West Tech was working with, okay. and each of them were. And and the way that, and again, sorry, I'm going to go a little bit into the weeds here, but the way the forced evolutionary virus worked is that it it actually would attach to your DNA. And depending upon what areas of the DNA that it attached to, it would cause different effects. So when they were researching it, they were literally trying to make, like I said, super soldiers. So they wanted, you know, the high muscle mass. They actually wanted high intelligence because you wanted a soldier that could actually think. Yeah. Um, which ironically enough is one of the reasons why I actually kind of talk about this in my, or I included it in the podcast. Um, and in the game of two in Fallout 76, you do find these smarter super mutants that actually Dr. Blackburn created. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's actually where that came from. Um, interestingly enough as well, the Institute in Fallout 4 was experimenting with FEV, except they were doing it for a completely different reason. They didn't want super mutants. They actually used FEV to create the synths. So mm-hmm. Gen 3 since um, that skin and everything that they had came from FEV. Yeah, and I mean, you had all these different people using different strains of FEV, but I think any type of research is going to, like, if you don't get the results you want, you're going to tweak the formula, right? And mm-hmm. you're going to keep tweaking it, seeing what worked and what didn't to try and, and enhance the positives and negate the negatives. So we probably had a lot of that going on, too. Yeah, Absolutely. The yeah. formula being different than formula being messed with and, and diluted and changed and whatever along the time. Well, and it also depended on how long you were exposed to it because different strains required a different level of exposure. So, for okay. instance, in um, in Vault 87 and, and actually at Mariposa, they actually had to dip the subject directly into a vat of FEV and they would be left there for days absorbing it into their skin. So FEV is not an airborne virus. You can't catch it from someone. It actually has to be administered to the body. Um, and that was a question that I had for a long time, which is like, why aren't people catching FEV? And it's like, well, no, no, right. that's not the way it's designed. It's it's supposed to go in these, uh, you know, it's it's supposed to be through direct uh, interactions, which which was good. I mean, obviously, an airborne version of FEV would not be great. It would not be good. Uh, well, for anybody. mutate more, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So is there a specific is there a specific amount of FEV that you need to be exposed to to actually have a change happen to you? So, from what I've seen, it's it's actually a pretty significant amount. So, you would actually need probably, I would assume, multiple gallons of it to to really see the the major effects um i'm not sure how much the well so the folks in huntersville so in, in fallout 76 the folks in huntersville were exposed uh they were exposed to the drinking water so it was yeah they, they were drinking it so i would imagine that they probably were drinking you know let's just say they drink eight glasses of water a day a couple of gallons and i think it took actually several weeks for them to, to become fully infected um right. so yeah, I mean, I think that's probably a safe bet that that you're probably, that's what would be necessary. Some of the other strains would actually require you to be, like I said, submerged in that vat for a significant period of time. How much did Lilith have? 
<laughs> <laughs> well, so that's all right. So, so I don't know if you guys want me to tell it a, does, tell a little story. DNA, right? So, I'm yeah, yeah. So, well, I mean, if you're all right. So, well, well the other thing yeah, about well, actually, about let me let me tell the little story first. Yeah. So, as I was kind of looking at FEV as as part of what I wanted to include in the podcast. Uh, it made sense that there were going to be like these mad scientists in the Fallout universe. And Lilith's father, uh, Doctor yeah. uh, Doctor Alistair, was actually one, Lucius Alistair was one of the these researchers, and he had his own version of what FEV was going to do. He didn't want something that looked like a super mutant. He yeah. actually wanted to create like a real like like somebody that would look like us but have all of the internal components of like what a super mutant would be. So they would have higher muscle mass. They'd be incredibly intelligent. Um, but again, you don't get the negatives of that. So he tweaked that for a while. When he got into Vault 76, he had one strain with him, and it was the most advanced strain that he had come up with. And he had tweaked it and tweaked it and tweaked it, but he needed somebody to experiment on. Well, he didn't have any kids, so he was like, well, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm going to have a kid. So he got his wife pregnant. When that child was born, she was not really his child. She was his guinea pig. Right. So when she was six months old, he injects her with his version of FEV because he felt that one of the problems that they had was that they were actually experimenting on adults and that that was why they were not able to get the results they wanted. So he was like, well, no, if I inject a child, it's probably going to work. And so her DNA was changed at that fundamental level. Um, it did exactly what he wanted it to do. She was stronger, faster, smarter. smarter the one side effect that he wasn't aware of that he couldn't get rid of was the fact that she was completely psychotic and, yeah. and also a cannibal. And so that was the driving force behind Lilith. So she grows up in the vault, finds out that she's an experiment, um, takes action against her father. And then when reclamation day happened, she's released into Appalachia. So she's unique. And, and actually Lilith's name is not an accident. Lilith is the name of, quote unquote, the first woman that was, you know, kind of from mythology. Yep. And that was so that's really where she came from. So it, in my mind, FEB, that's what FEB was supposed to do. Um, so if you look at some of the later versions of other advanced FEB, like what Frank Horrigan was, which was the the enclave, you know, the, they're, they're basically super monster that they created. Lilith was actually a better version of him. So like. She's basically Frank Horgan on the inside, whereas he's Frank Horgan on the outside. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, FEV is a, you know, it, it is interesting because it does, like I said, it does kind of flow throughout not only all the Fallout stories, but it also speaks to what kind of scientific research was acceptable in the Fallout universe, which mm -hmm. was anything and everything that you could throw up against the wall that's what the government was asking people to do. And there was no compunction about it. I mean, they did it, you know, they did it just to do it. Um, and it creates some actually pretty sad stories because if you look at Graham, for instance, mm -hmm. um, there are hints in the game that Graham was in Huntersville and that's where he came from, but he wasn't actually from Huntersville. Uh, my theory is actually he was a traveling salesman and he was infected while he traveled through the town and that little part of his brain that was all about trade and sell, well, actually selling to his customers was what survived his exposure to FEV. And it could be that he didn't get a full dose. So maybe that's why Graham is, uh, is Graham. He didn't Ga have prolonged exposure. Right. And well, Gail. Town for so long. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, but eventually they stopped letting people come in and leave Huntersville. So that had to have been really early on. Really early on, though, <laughs> though they did actually have super mutants um, actually under or, or actually inside West Tech that were being stored in those cylinders. Yeah. Yep. And actually it was the Enclave who let them all out. So the reason why super mutants um, are actually kind of running around all of Appalachia is because President Eckhart decided that releasing the super mutants from West Tech would raise the DEFCON status so he would get access to the missile silos. So again, right. it's kind of this, you know, interconnected story. And, you know, a lot of it, unfortunately, falls at the feet of the Enclave, that they they caused this, they did this, and this is why we're suffering today. Well, they yeah, did. always blame the Enclave here. <laughs> you always blame the government and the enclave is the government so, but i mean they, they did, did do it they so, did yeah. do all these things you know mm -hmm. still blame blame the enclave happily happily <laughs> i i i will I, i'm sitting here to take it that's 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 what i'm here i for. mean there's like three <laughs> enclave people on this podcast I, it's fine <laughs> i am an enclave guy i love the enclave i love the the villainy behind the Enclave as a whole, like how, how it was plot out with, from a Bethesda and a lore standpoint, it's just there, really. It, it's there. It's like your punching bag, your scapegoat. If something bad happens, you always blame the Enclave, which I find interesting from a story standpoint, because sometimes it's not, but like 95% of the time it is. They're the government. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. And that's it. That's actually the government. <laughs> yeah. It, it's actually oh, yeah. a way to, it's a way to kind of get back at, at who caused the war in the first place because mm -hmm. they, they do, they do represent kind of that version of the old world because that's what they want to recreate. Right. Um, the other really interesting story about FEV in general is that it inadvertently also led to the creation of the Brotherhood of Steel, which most people may not realize. That's true. Oh, yep, that's that's true. because Maxon actually found all those people there, and he flipped out at that point. And was, what are you doing to all my soldiers and all these yeah. other people? This isn't right. So yeah. that's, yep. So he's yeah, so he, yeah, so he he executed, so he was at Mariposa. He executed all of the scientists and tried to bury all of the evidence. So he actually, like, collapsed all the tunnels and everything and then it wasn't until later that the master actually well the master actually fell into one of the vats so you know that created him but then the enclave was um they were excavating mariposa and they found all those samples and then that's how they got involved with it um you know but it was a you know but it was a general i mean if you look at it it's really like almost the general evolutionary virus that or evolutionary process that created most mm. of the monsters that we find in the wasteland i mean because you had the super moons Mm -hmm. the the centaurs the mutant hounds yeah. uh, <laughs> like i said the the snallygasters the grafted monsters um yeah. the behemoths i mean and that's actually oh, yeah. something that uh, that a lot of that i actually had a lot of fun with um yeah. i love the concept of the behemoth because it's just you know the super mutants are bad enough are mole miners product of the fev they are I not think that was a separate thing okay it was more like a grafting thing yeah, uh, I was just curious because I, I, I was like, I, I, I didn't remember there being a connection. So I was like, huh? no, no, I don't think there. I, no, there isn't. It's just they lived underground forever. And then they they got too accustomed to being underground and wearing the masks all the time. Yeah, I suspect that the uh, that ultrasite contamination had something to do with yeah. it as well. With them I, I believe was... the same thing also. Yeah. 
because I've been going through Laura a lot recently. My eyes keep watering today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got watery eyeballs. Um, I'm crying. Yeah. I can't stop. Happy <laughs> T-Virus. It just got me just, so sad. Such a sad story. <laughs> well, actually, and then the other one, so so talking about kind of the, so if we think about the super mutants that are the ones that we are able to interact with. So mm-hmm. in Fallout 76, we have Graham, which is the first one that we found. But then there's also Gale, who uh, yeah, who is like Gale. the the adopted mother of Rara. Oh, and you can actually, so it's, it hasn't been confirmed, but I believe you can actually find Gale's story in a terminal in Huntersville. I think she was one of the, there's a mother there who her son gets infected first and they come and they mm-hmm. take him away. Yeah. And then she gets infected. And then there's another uh, terminal entry in West Tech that I think talks about the same woman. And so I, I think that's the story of Gail is that mm. you had a woman who lost her child to FEV. She ends up escaping. She adopts Rara. And the one thing that she remembers, and, and if you if you again kind of think about why these people why these super mutants are more human, is that they had an emotional attachment to something. Graham had an had an emotional attachment to his job because that he was yeah. probably a single traveling salesman. That was his life. That's what he did. Gail, on the other hand, she's a mom. She loves her kid, and she doesn't have that anymore. So, boom! You know, now you have this ability—not uh, ability, but but you have this part of that humanity yeah. that remains inside them, Able and to, uh, to pull that piece out of them. Mm-hmm. So, I I wonder if we could find that connection in other super mutants if we could draw them back. Maybe that's like a really good knew, question. If you knew. Like if we could identify like if you knew them, something about who they're learn about their life, right? You'd have to learn about their life, find out who they are, and then see if you can't find a way to communicate with them and draw that that bond back out, whatever that is, to see if you can. Stupid human, bring them back. <laughs> I'm only one to smash and crush things. Well, it's probably easier. That would probably be easier to do to, with West Coast super mutants, only because they are smarter. The, my, yeah, there's the there, there's probably more humanity left in them to begin with. Plus, you run into yeah, dude. Well, they yeah. can be reasoned with too. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> if if they're more intelligent, they can, it's probably easier to reason with them and find out what you need to know. Spicoli super mutant. <laughs> <laughs> he remembers yeah. that that was his pizza man. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But, Sorry, <laughs> but super mutants are also technically i mean at least as far as the game is concerned immortal they don't age right you know because you run don't into reproduce. no but you know from what i've read though that's that's a bona contention people are not entirely convinced that super mutants are sterile um huh. because of the because fev actually has different effects on different parts of the body Mm-hmm. It may be possible to actually have a strain that would create fertile supermutants. No, where you could actually not, male supermutants not attack their. Gail's rep- a female, right? But they're kind of asexual product, right? Well, yes, they are. But but again, you can make the argument that they're asexual because it's a video game. You know, you right. can't actually. You know, yeah. the okay, yeah. So. Uh, I mean, so I mean, the I mean, they did differentiate a couple. I mean, you've got Gail, you've got the ones in New Vegas, Mm -hmm. the mamas. Yeah, is it is it was it Granny who was the uh, the 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 old one that uh, that you run into? I'm trying to remember that the name of of that particular one. Didn't you just Um, play New Vegas, Jaxus? You would know. 
I uh, didn't play the whole thing. So and they're Tabitha so. and uh, oh oh yeah Tabitha that's who Tabitha, that's who I was I thinking forget. of the other one. There's I should know this. I have the models. I don't remember. <laughs> I have the yeah. models. Well, when you get to, but then when you get to Fallout 4, you've also got Strong. And right. and I think Strong, I, I've i never been able to figure him out. Like, I don't know, like, I know why he was convinced that he was looking for the milk of human kindness. Right. But he doesn't have the same kind of backstory <laughs> that you find with some of the other ones. Like, I couldn't tell you where Strong came from. Like what he did before that. Right. Because there, there doesn't seem to be much in the way of connection other than the fact that he really liked this radio guy and the radio guy was able to convince him that humans right. aren't that bad and maybe we shouldn't kill and eat them right that he could learn from that so mm -hmm. makes you wonder if others could learn you know uh, as well like if well, we if we they, could recondition them maybe his emotional attachment was based on the fact that he had an emotional connection with the radio guy. radio yeah. or theater or maybe it was a radio thing maybe maybe Music in itself is what kind of made him rattle loose a little bit and was like, you know, drew him towards the uh, the radio guy because he was a radio person at some point. We just don't know that because we don't know his backstory. Right. That could be. I mean, I like the idea of more humanity in the super mutants. I don't like them necessarily as just being like... Mindless, dumb. Yeah, yeah. Moron. Mm -hmm. Kill human. Human stupid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. they have some. They have some, <laughs> they have some great lines, though. I yeah. I have to go through the audio files, and some of these conversations that they have are actually pretty damn funny. I mean, the uh, the the conversation where they're talking about the floaters and ooh, he like you, and uh, <laughs> you know, and that kind of stuff. It's just really fine. And then there's one in Fallout Four. There's a great line where um, one of the guy, one of the super mutants, is talking about he wants to be in charge and. You know, oh, I'm the best super mutant. I'm smarter than all of you guys. I should be the one in charge. And the other super mutant going, yeah, did somebody hit you on the head? You know, kind of thing. And it was that. just, yeah. And it's just, that's just really, really funny. You bumped your but, head this morning. Yeah. You're not so smart. Well, if we you smart walk too. around their camps and stuff in 76, you can hear like, there's always that one who's like, I'm the strongest super mutant. <laughs> you know, and it's like, okay. I like hearing you guys just fight kind of, to the death. As you're and walking through, you'll hear them bantering back and forth over like little stupid things that's yeah. not yours no that's mine right Wait, you grab that you know? yeah they did that a lot i, I like but, how they actually put that in there throughout the games it's like kind of little 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 nuggets just like when you have the two uh um mr handy's talking the arguing the robots. Nowhere. <laughs> yeah the questions well here's a question for you guys would you want to well first of all it's a two-part question one is should super mutants be playable characters in, say, Fallout 5? Yes. And if so, how would you what would be the trade-off? Like if you were gonna if you were going to design that character archetype, what would be the benefits? What would be the the deficits, I guess? And you know, and and well, I mean, yeah, I guess maybe that's just the question there. Curious. First thing that pops to mind, I mean, obviously, oh, let's see. They'd be ostracized everywhere they went. Yeah, there would have to be like a social impact. So, you right. know, there might be uh, certain, there may be most settlements that are human or ghoul based that you just can't walk into. Or maybe ghouls are fine with it. Who knows? But like, you can't just walk into Diamond City, you know, but you right. can walk into maybe like a super mutant stronghold and everything's fine. 
As far as character builds go, I mean, the tabletop role-playing game restricts your intelligence mm-hmm. and your charisma. Like, you can't have as high of a statistic, but you can go above the, the, the cap with strength and endurance. So, I mean, that's a decent trade-off. Maybe yeah. its own unique perk tree as well might be a decent thing to include for that. I definitely role play as it. It sounds like fun. Having the dumb option in every dialogue would be great. <laughs> right. I was gonna say their agility is probably not as great because maybe. you know maybe being that, big that can be one of those ones that are like a little wiggly, right? Like you know, you're role playing as a super agile super mutant. I could see I that. See that's that. fun. That's passable. No. That's not passable. <laughs> <laughs> that's not even at all. Well, I did see a I did actually see a um it was a uh, conceptual uh, conceptual line of pictures of what like of, of mutations would be so like like a person that was just beginning to turn into a super mutant and different degrees of that um, and I believe that was proposed as like something potentially that a, that a character that you as a player could get into and do that see I, I actually take issue with the limiting of intelligence though because we do have very smart super mutants in various games so I think if you have high strength high endurance very low, very low charisma, low agility, and maybe even low luck. I would actually even limit the yeah. weapons that they could carry. Like I would say, no pistols. Oh yeah, because oh, yeah. um, they can't handle you know, them, right? Yeah, yeah, the hands too big. Um, but yeah. maybe no penalty for heavy weapons, so mm-hmm. they could you know carry around their minigun. Um, and then conversely, actually for a human, I would say don't let humans carry heavy weapons outside of power armor. I, I don't understand why they let us do that, but that's that's just me. Those apparently bulk up. It's all that carrying your pit boy around. It like really bulks you up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's we, that's we, what it is. It's my pit boy. It's my that's pit boy. It's like been bulked out my arm for so long. I can now carry a, a minigun around and just. That's you know, for those listening at home, yeah. uh, several members of the show made obscene gestures with their hands. Did not. That was not obscene. <laughs> it was breakdancing. Uh-huh. It was like looking at my watch, which is AKA my pit boy. I wasn't talking about you, Don. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would, but yeah i would love the option to play as a super mutant and yeah like you said there's some that just makes sense no pistols but not having mm-hmm. any restrictions with heavy weapons that that totally sure. tracks That'd i agree so the good. whole not having you know mini guns without having body armor i mean yeah without the power it, armor you, you shouldn't doesn't. be able to lift that yeah. not arnold i, I don't use everything. heavy weapons in my game um i don't i guess because it kind of it doesn't make sense to me that I can carry that stuff around, but I have them in my backpack, but <laughs> I don't usually use them unless All I need is my fixer. I'm cool. Exactly. My fixers. And I don't know. I don't know man. Heavy really weapons are my fun. Handmade. I did a heavy weapons only run in fallout four. And that was one of my favorite files ever. Now in fallout <laughs> four. Yeah, I did. I played heavy. I played Railgun in fallout four. That was fun. <laughs> I, I had a really broken Railgun. <laughs> Although in, in 76, the weapon I use the most is probably the minigun. The one that shoots fire, that slows, slowly shoots. The doof, 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 doof. Oh, oh, yeah. Big one. Oh, the, yeah. That the, one. The, 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 the one that, that makes the, the gun? Yeah, I use the one that, that you keep hearing after lot. it fires. Yeah. Because it screws up the, yeah. That's <laughs> worth that's worth having a few things invested for. I'll say that. And if it was a super mutant, I wouldn't have to worry about it. Yeah, I I think it could be fun to play as a, a super mutant uh, build because I think I would prefer that versus running around in, in power armor all the time because I just, power armor is too bulky for me and it's, I don't like going chunk, 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 chunk when I run around and making the earth shake. I hate the fact that I constantly have to come up with a stupid battery to put in the thing. 
Yeah. Jeez. That too. Because even though I have like the battery saver perk, you know, the things like uh, 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 whatever that noise is, it makes when it, you have to change your battery. So, uh, folks, real quick, we're going to take a real quick break. We'll be right back after this message and we're going to get right back in the story. OK, cool. Ever wanted to be a content creator but had no clue where to begin? Come join me as I sit down with content creators that have already faced the challenges you're up against as they discuss the tips and tricks that help them be successful. Here on The Content Creator's Guide, available wherever podcasts can be found. All right, everybody, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed our little message there. We're going to get right back into the story. We're talking today about super mutants with one and only Lawrence from the uh, Modus Files. Yeah. And Steph. So, um, Sassy, when she's done giggling down there, she's going to go ahead and... uh, Start get us right back into things because she knows what's going on and I have no clue. I have a, I have a loose idea. <laughs> I have many uh, loose ideas. There's just none of them attached somehow. Yeah, sometimes they stick. They just so of... no. I I really like that idea that you had, Lawrence. Um, so tell us um why you delved into the whole a next gen super mutant for your podcast. Yeah, so. Again, it, it actually came down to to one question that I had to answer for myself, which was, why are there scorched mutant hounds? Because supposedly FEV prevents you from getting any other viruses. You know, that's that was right. one of the after effects of it, because super mutants can't get diseases. Right. Right. But you have scorched mutant hounds and you have scorched behemoths. And I was like, wow, that's really interesting. I need to find out more about FEV. And as I was doing my research and the game continued, then we were. Um, actually, with the new Brotherhood quest line, uh, there was a new breed of super mutants that we end up facing, you know, ones that are actually really fast. They are smarter. They end up attacking the Brotherhood of Steel at Atlas Observatory. Mm-hmm. And they were created by uh, this Dr. Blackburn, who was trying to perfect FEV in a way that actually made people better. And right. I looked at all of that and I said, well, this is an interesting story, but I don't think this is the way that it should be. So... I came up with the idea that someone actually wanted to perfect super mutants. So they didn't want super mutants that were dumb. They wanted super mutants that were very, very intelligent, that could actually plan, that could actually set ambushes, that would actually be a true threat. Because in the game, you know, they aren't organized. You know, there is a hierarchy, but they're basically a bunch of bands of super mutants. So imagine, if you will, an army of walking tanks that are smarter than you, faster than you, stronger than you, and want to eat you. And in the post-apocalyptic wasteland, that is an army that cannot be stopped. And in thinking about the true threat, what would be something that someone could use that would cause people to really be afraid? And this is, of course, after we had wiped out all the scorched, so there had to be something else. And this idea that Dr. Blackburn existed, well, I was like, well, Dr. Blackburn exists. He's out there somewhere. I can use him. And suddenly the characters in our podcast are faced with something that they just assumed super mutants were stupid, that they were isolated, that they didn't have to worry about them as long as they stayed away from them. And instead, now you have this tsunami of this huge threat that has washed over the region. Um, and that is really what I thought would be make a very compelling story. Um, this is going to be explored very heavily in our next season, in season three. 
Um, I've specifically not mentioned some things that are incredible spoilers for what's going to happen because what I just told you is merely step one mm -hmm. um, because there's one very glaring question um, when it comes to super mutants that still needed to be answered. And that answer, then the question really is, and I'll, I'll say this and I won't go any further then, is it, well, you created an army of super mutants that are smarter, faster, and stronger than you. How do you keep them from eating you too? So if you're the if you're the people creating that army, what would you have to do to control them? Mother Duck syndrome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they see they see Doc Blackburn. They're like, "Mommy, you micro explosives in the brainspan." Well, he yeah. changed himself, didn't he? Right before you can catch him. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't head. know what he was doing. I, I I do always pick up his. I did that mission three times, and I love picking up his glasses because that's like I the thought only he was thing. Say that you know is how do super mutants eat Twinkies without crushing them? <laughs> well, Possible. he because he's so desperate to prove that he was right about his strain of FEV, and they were they had forced him into a corner, and they had him, and they were just like, "You're not going to do this." And he was like, "I have one last chance on myself," and he does it. And then there he is. So, I mean, I guess, yeah, you have to wonder, like, those other scientists that whether you chose to kill them or not, depending on which way you went on your brotherhood quest, because one character did, one character didn't. So, you know, you go to the Atlas and they're still there, <laughs> would you stop? <laughs> and then, uh, so you've got these scientists there and you're just like, well, so what are they going to be up to? You know, they say they're going to walk the straight and narrow, but what are they going to do? This is what this is what their career was. So what else are they going to be doing? And yeah. why not have them continue on that type of research, at least in a I would think if you were trying to be the good guys that you would have them continue on the research on like how to reverse it so you can maybe reclaim all these people in the wasteland or whatever. But they're still going to be doing some kind of research in that capacity, I would think, with yeah. FEV. Well, the, you know, so in Fallout 4, Virgil turns himself into a super mutant to escape. And then he does turn himself back. A lot of people think, oh, well, he found the cure to being a super mutant. And he actually didn't. He he actually created a new strain of FEV that, that evolved him back to a person. Um, so he still wasn't perfect. I mean, he, in fact, right. he, he grew, <laughs> the joke was he grew his hair back because he was bald before. And uh, and now suddenly he has hair, but he also was like very muscular. He looked like a like a big dude. But that's the that's the problem with FEV is that there is no way to actually turn it backwards. It's right. if you're going to do it, you're literally just going to be like, okay, now I'm going to take the human version of FEV and see what happens. Yeah, um, you know. But but again, I mean, this kind of comes back to this idea of, of the super mutants themselves, which is they can be an incredible force for good because they can potentially still have humanity. And just because mm -hmm. they look the way that they are, just like right. ghouls, you know, people shoot ghouls on sight. Mm -hmm. Well, why? They're nothing but, you know, disfigured humans. Same thing with super mutants. But then you, but then you go to the, you know, then you turn it around and you're like, well, wait a second. If you actually made super mutants the true threat, were they, if they made them the end game, make it in a way that's really going to scare people because at the end of the day i don't think they're they're not necessarily scary <laughs> so much as not from um, a distance yeah. yeah yeah not from a distance i mean you know you, you don't want to get too close to them because they will you know they'll beat you with their Start their pounding. Ah! Or whatever. <laughs> yeah that old thing yeah. and that can um, hurt 
yeah but you know but but if you think about it too i mean look at the super mutants they they do have pets they have floaters they have mutant hounds mm-hmm. um oh you know the one i was forgetting the uh the super mutant in um oh the deal the fallout 4 dlc why can't i think of the name of it um the island one far harbor totally... far harbor far harbor, harbor. yeah yeah, the guy who was raising, um, or the super mutant that oh, was the raising guy with dogs. The dogs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. That was I, I love that character. That was yeah. a great character. Um, yeah, you know, and I think it's those little things that that bring a measure of, and I will, I'll say it, humanity to these games because you right. run into characters that you wouldn't expect that are different but are actually better than some of the most of the people that you actually run into in right. Fallout. They look like monsters, but they're not. And like you said, they're better than you're probably going to run into like X number of yeah, raiders that talking about look like you. Erickson, don't, yeah. Don't act like you. Yeah. I believe you can buy it. You can buy a dog from him, right? You can. You get... Yeah, I bought several because all my camps had dogs. Oh, <laughs> and dogs all over. It was great. Hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there was any other. Um, oh, so there's a couple of. Uh, there was actually a couple of mysteries in Fallout too that involve FEV that are kind of invo- related to the super mutants. The first animals that they mutated were raccoons, and they <laughs> and they escaped. So I think I think everybody's been waiting for giant but mutated, mutated raccoons to show pandas? up in Fallout. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we imagine need. that. Mutated but trash pandas. Back at Black Isle Studios or whatever, they're like, we can't do it. That's too much power. Now I understand <laughs> where that joke them. comes from. <laughs> Everybody's well, talking about the trash pandas in, in Fallout. I'm like, I don't understand what they're getting at. <laughs> no, they've already got the masks, so they're probably going to be ninjas. There you go. Maybe they're out there. We just can't teenage see Teenage mutant ninja and of course, oh, of course, you would have to meet one that could talk, and his name would have to be Rocket. So, or the, or exactly. they would actually call it, or, or because that's uh, copyrighted, totally they probably call him Missile. Because I love Rocket. He's like, <laughs> go get me these missile. things and get that guy's leg. Why do you need that? <laughs> oh, I'll get that arm. <laughs> What's the look on his face? Yeah, that was Just a good look- that was good. <laughs> oh my god! No, um, the guy in uh, Nuka World in the zoo place i can't think of the safari kingdom or whatever wasn't he fiddling around with fev and making something oh yeah yeah that's right he was doing the um he he had the alligators or something yeah the cloning facility he was actually he was using deathclaw dna he crossed deathclaw dna with the gator claws with the yeah gator claws that's what he was creating um and i didn't know if that had anything to do with fev but i guess he was using deathclaw yeah you're talking about the safari adventure quest, right? Yeah, I got to get yeah, back. I just Once remember I... fighting that guy in the basement and all those stupid yeah. gator claws. Well, when the um, when the new when the next gen version of Fallout Four comes out, I am definitely playing that again. Oh yeah, absolutely. Is that a thing? Of course, I have to play Star. I have to play <laughs> the heck that out of thing? Starfield yeah. first. So yeah, well, that's, that's, that's that's more likely to come out, but you know, while we're all still alive, I have to melt my brain on that game. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be the only thing I play for a year. Oh goody! It'd be great. Well, and I'm I, and I'm curious to see what kind of because I'm sure they're gonna have some kind of nasty virus thing and mute and alien creatures that we're gonna have to face off with. So it's gonna to. be an entirely new uh, new thing for us to experience. I hope gonna there's one super mutant facility, on one planet somewhere in that game. <laughs> I hope they have a planet of super mutants. Yeah, 
And it's utopia. That's like, actually the perfect planet. It probably is. <laughs> like everyone lives in harmony and you know, it's great. There's no strife. No, but there's That's gotta funny. be some crazy person who's uh, you know, fiddling around with alien DNA and trying to make alien p- people crossovers and there you go. We've well, just solved I, the plot of Starfield. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, thinking about what you, I mean, and again, kind of going back to, you know, obviously they've expanded the universe with the role playing games and things like that. So, I mean, I think that there's a lot of, a lot of fertile ground for including stories about super mutants. I think that from a perspective of a player, we should consider them to be more than what they just, more than just, you know, walking tanks that like to try to eat us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I, I would love to see more interactable super mutant characters. I think that we don't see them nearly enough um, yeah. in the games. Yeah, I, th- I would like to have some more. I mean, we have some good ghoul characters and, you know, they keep adding more. Even if they're just background characters that don't say anything, they're still around. So it would be nice to see more, you know, I'm not going to kill you super mutants walking there around. Would- They'd have to set it in a place where the lore allowed for more intelligent ones. Because, I mean, like, mm-hmm. obviously we see examples of them, but I think the statistics of, like, how many out of a hundred super mutants are intelligent, they have to kind of keep that kind of consistent. I mean, they don't have to. It's a video game. They can do what they want. Yeah, they but, I mean, we do, I mean, we get sense. a we get a companion in each game, don't we? That's a super mutant or a nightkin. And then we run into at least yeah. one or two through throughout the games. But, you're, I mean, you're right. It's something I want to see more of. Yeah, yeah, because we have our super mutant who is our light companion from the scoreboard couple. Oh yeah, that's right. I completely, I completely forgot about him. Yeah, I haven't used him. I haven't used him, and I know he's there. Whatever his name is, I see him at some people's camp mall or something like that. Mall, yeah. I see him at some people's camp. But but I don't think they like are that intelligent. I wouldn't think they'd have to be like any more intelligent than Graham is. I mean, he doesn't seem like he's crazy smart. He just. He knows what's up and he likes to throw a party. Yeah. Well, that yeah. makes me wonder though, because you you got mo- uh, like moderately smart super mutants, but then you've got death claws or nightkin that mm-hmm. seem to be very calculative and intelligent. Yeah. They're not just, they're not just kind of smart. They're like really different strain. Like, you know, yeah. so it's like, well, what makes them so much different than the super mutant strains? Well, I think it's a lot. I mean, a lot of it is just the the genetic manipulation. You know, it, it's if you're going specifically for one thing. I mean, I, I would say that like what they did to the death clause was like using a scalpel. You know, they took mm-hmm. something that they already created and then they really went in there and was focusing on intelligence. Whereas creating a super mutant is like hitting DNA with a sledgehammer. You know, you don't necessarily know what you're going to get. And I, I did that on purpose because I was like, yeah, super mutant sledgehammer. Only, only certain genotypes get to Gallagher with retain their, you know, watches it's all the redheads are the only <laughs> ones that get to be smart super mutants afterwards. Right. Gallagher but you know, but that, would be, but that would be something to look at. Like if you were taking everybody's DNA apart and find out that on, you know, on this section of this DNA, they have, they lack like this thing. And that means that, their intelligence is not going to be retained once they're exposed to FEV, whereas other pieces of DNA may have that. So therefore, their intelligence remains intact. Telling mm-hmm. you, redheads. <laughs> I, I well, well, it could also be too. I mean, again, it's the uh, it's actually, and it is actually internally consistent in the game because different people can turn into ghouls. So mm-hmm. that like people right, that people that that ghoulify did it yep. because they had certain DNA that like that was what 
that was what made them survive. Yeah. So same yeah. could be same thing for super mutants. Now the other thing too it could is also that, be the same thing that keeps them from going feral. Right. You know, it's like there are people that changed with radiation rather than die, but then there are some of those people that advanced onto completely losing their minds and became just creatures and not people. So that's actually a really good like. question because there are there were people who purposely turned themselves into ghouls. Yep. But how did they know to do that? That is a great question because <laughs> the one I'm thinking of is the guy that goes against, um, you know, Nick's nemesis in, in yeah, the, the the gangster guy, yeah, the gangster, Who's... yeah, and he like that was his plan. He built the bunker. He told the girl we're, what we're going to do. And we're going to survive this, and he exposed <laughs> himself to radiation. But like you said, how did he know that he would live through that, and that uh, he would change into a ghoul so he could live forever? Unless the government. Was, was experimenting already. on people and they knew that was going to happen right. they already and, knew and so Which, you know i wouldn't put it past them you know well i mean, because I, mean they, get... I would imagine they probably were doing experiments they had they knew that somebody was going to drop a nuke eventually because that's where it was heading you know with the, all the tension with the chinese it's it was probably like another cold war but way more brittle and they probably were experimenting with radiation to see, like, well, what happens if we do get nuked? You know, how many people can survive X radiation level and start seeing what effects radiation have on people? Just probably start throwing people in radiation chambers without their knowledge or something. What's the worst that could happen? Sounds like a vault experiment to me. Absolutely. Well, they did do that in one vault where they didn't seal the door. Yeah, and everybody and they, got ghoulified. Yeah, they all turned into ghouls. Which actually, if Voltec knew that that was going to happen, they right. would put those specific people with that trait in that vault, and they would, and it would confirm if they all turned into ghouls. Hey, that's exactly. what happens. Exactly. Um, so they wow. would have to know their DNA. That's crazy. That's cool. really crazy. Mm -hmm. Makes yeah. you wonder if, uh, like, how much did Bethesda or whoever, you know, in the beginning, think all this out? You know, or just how many of how many of them got lucky and that made sense? <laughs> like, I don't know. It's probably just one, one developer in the studio did made a whoopsie, and they're like, now we got to think of a lore reason for why this works. But it works well, like Todd says, it just works. It just works. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it, it actually. I I think it is, and especially the fact that it's actually been through what three different developers. It was Interplay. Yeah. Um, you know, Bethesda, Obsidian, Obsidian, you know, yeah. and then they've managed to, but they've still managed to keep it fairly consistent. I mean, I can, mm -hmm. of course, the lore is all over the place and, and there's a lot, I think, that is up for interpretation. But at the end of the day, I think we as players can fill in most of the gaps ourselves. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Up. I mean, it's yeah, ours. we do. We, we do. We That's what we tend to do. We just start filling in gaps so it makes to it fun. make things gel. It's that whole, that, I mean... Come on, Lawrence. It's the whole reason why you do what you do, right? Right. You that's true. Got into yeah. a game I mean, and you went, hmm, okay, but you know, that's, this, but that's this a goes good this thing. way, that goes that way. I'm going to go this way and see what happens. Right. See, and that's a good <laughs> thing. They don't explain everything perfectly or we wouldn't have the ability to be creative and go that way instead of this way, yeah. you know, to, to take it on like he has and say, oh, we're going to advance this <laughs> and, uh, you know, make these better super mutants to be the I next big challenge <laughs> yeah i and i also love the fact that i actually managed to turn graham into a real character i love um, that 
You that know, was so good. He's just he's just this 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 picture of Charlie just sitting at the side eating the grass. Well, yeah. Graham is there with his big tenderizer just swacking away and right you know, doing all this <laughs> the stuff. The whole time I mean, they're like, "Oh wow, you're such a hero." He's like, "I just want to trade with humans." <laughs> like, I'm like reason I'm doing stuff. this. <laughs> I like to trade thingies. I got right. stuff. Like I want to money. trade with humans. Can't trade when human dead. <laughs> it's like. Oh, not yeah. wrong. It's not wrong. Makes sense. Makes sense. Or you yeah. can trade really well when human did. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, putting putting those those last two episodes that I did. I mean, first of all, I did not expect them both to be two hours long each. That was that was quite the experience. I don't know if I can do that next season. That's a lot. But just finding all of the super mutant sounds that I needed, plus getting somebody to actually do some of their own sounds, and and just painting this picture of like 20 super mutant behemoths suddenly breaking out of the the tree line and just you know running towards you i mean i don't care who you are whether you're the enclave the brotherhood of steel or whatever you're going to look at that and the first thing you're going to think of is wow i'm about to die this this is going to be really 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 bad this is a poop my pants situation for sure (laughs) doesn't matter how many pairs of drawers you brought (laughs) (laughs) all gone yeah. Oh Wait. So you had to get people to to do the the voices for super mutants. Yeah. yeah. Well, you got. Hey, what's uh? Let's hear your best uh super mutant mutant impression right now. I I can't want to hear that. <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't do it. I got some. Oh else no, no. I know. I still want to hear you do it. <laughs> it's your show. You got to do it. Uh, well, there you go. That's one of them. That was actually uh, really good. Can't ask Tangerita to do it. He does it all the time. I just I just scream. I he just, just uh, kind of. Ah! what's the other one uh time of time of human over now is age of super mutant i like that that's good (laughs) that's good yeah and i was hoping you would botch it and i could make fun of you but you did a good job how dare you how dare you you, yeah but actually finding somebody who can do that means that i can actually write lines that are not in the game because before Mm -hmm. i was limited to what the super mutants would say which was again you just say what's on your mind and be stupid about it (laughs) (laughs) you just have to have a funny voice and have a funny cadence is all right yeah pretty (laughs) much sound kind of stupid human dumb You'll, no. you'll have to yeah. tap into Eric yeah. next time because he's yeah. pretty good at that. No. <laughs> well, I gotta, yeah, I do have to find a lot more people who can do super mutants. Plus, I have to also, uh, since I've, I've I've solved the Sunny the Robot situation, I uh, I'm going to have somebody continue to do Sunny for me. So, you had a Sunny the Robot situation? Yeah, because there's three Sunnies, yeah. and so so the, the each Sunny is is like competing with the other one to yeah. determine who the real Sunny is. And I solved that particular problem. Oh, cool. Okay. So, so I won't spoil it on, on how exactly that happened, but uh, I mean, but nobody beats one Rose, way to do though. it. <laughs> <Rose> <laughs> any of the voice actors from the games who do Super Mutants would uh, be interested? Oh, I have to find out who they are. You know, I've always wanted to get at least just one guy or one girl or or whomever. Mm-hmm. To, and I'll uh, never get another role again. Thanks, Ginger. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, just, I'm just saying ray chase but Dave at the same Tenor. time yeah but now i but now with some of them i can't like when i'm in the game i can't actually listen to modus anymore because for me it's it's always the modus that i it's have in the podcast brad. yeah so it's brad <laughs> yeah it's brad. It's not and uh literal. and actually i will say jaxus has done a wonderful job as frederick Rivers. like you you we barely hear him in the game 
and mm-hmm. and he has really brought him to life in a way that has just been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, so I, I think hear that, him on hollow tapes, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. And then we never know what happens to him. So that's that's my justification right. for why he's still alive, because you never hear <laughs> that he died. Really I good. lived through something. Hey, I like all my it. characters usually end up. You're not dead yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I lived for 10 minutes. I remember yeah, being I a biker Texas. once, and I don't even remember the name of the biker. I just remember I got killed like three really minutes. Really fast. Yeah. yeah. Like so about three minutes. <laughs> That's okay. I I have so many more characters to kill. It's like not even funny. See, it's I got like, lots of other roles I can do. Another three exactly. minutes, here, three minutes there. It's the easiest job in the world, man. Yeah, I think that. <laughs> I, think killed. The, I think the record is I've got one guy who's um he's been killed fifteen times. Is that oh, what's wow. his name Austin or? Well, that's uh, Chris actually from oh. uh, from One Wall Comedy. Yeah, he's uh, he does a lot of the miscellaneous yeah. voices and like almost everybody he he does gets killed. So he's really happy that he's like got characters that haven't died yet. Well, that and was I me. Just... I, I was I was trying to get that one character that didn't die, <laughs> and then he's like, "Oh, I think I got something for you." And then that's how I ended up being Frederick is just trying it out. But I sat there forever trying to get his voice to where it was right. You know, I had to get that kind of yeah. old Southern dude thing going. But yeah, it had I don't to be know kind of about a that Southern guy Nick. with a little bit of cashish. <laughs> you know, he had to be a little bougie a little bit in there too. Same oh, that actually that actually reminds me. I'm I'm actually writing a scene now for next season that's got Meg in it. So I will yeah, be uh, I will back. be talking to you again. Yeah, well, I have to. I mean, it's it's been weird though. I mean, it's it's one of the things I've learned in writing is that you can't write about everything. So you 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 know, the Fallout seventy six is a huge game with lots yeah. of different characters. Sometimes you have to kind of ignore various kind of side things because it just mm-hmm. gets in the way. Um, though I'm having to add the Brotherhood of Steel, I don't have a choice. So I'm, I'm, that's actually the scene I'm working on literally as we speak. Like it's up in front of me right now. That's easier because you uh, already know who does those voices. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, well, so that's the problem. Like most people don't know the Paladin Romani in Brad's podcast mm-hmm. is Colonel Valeria from mine. Oh, I know. So- <laughs> I know. And, and you can tell if you listen real hard. I mean, it's the same yeah. way with, uh, with vitriol, I mean, I hear her everywhere. You know, <laughs> it's like I know that's her, but you know, she she tries to to sound different every time. But there's but, three of the like like staple female characters that kind of bounce back and forth between the Modus Files and Once Upon mm-hmm. a Wasteland. They're kind of like synonymous with each other. I, I agree. And you're like sitting in one. You're you're listening for a while. And you're like, I know who that is. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, like, I can always tell it's that, you too. Same. I yeah, can always tell your parts when they come in. Me? Yeah. Oh, like, there was oh, one I didn't even know you were in, but I was like, God, that sounds like Jaxus. And I'm like, yeah, that's Jaxus. I'm like, there's a little me in every one of I them. I think so. it was when you played the uh, guy in the vault with, uh, with the, uh, what's her name? And you got killed. Oh, Lilith. Oh, yeah. I think not, you were, you were, yeah, you were was one with, of the. No, I wasn't in the, I, not that part anyway. I wasn't in the, in the vault. But yeah, you were going on that. You you had like broken into that vault and were going in, and and you got killed. Oh, are you talking about one, one of, of your many Phoenix? deaths? I don't remember the name. Oh. <laughs> I just I just didn't know you were in oh. that one yet, and then I heard it, and I was listening, and I was like, oh, I think that's Jeff. Like, yeah, that's definitely uh, that was Team Cryptid thing or something. I think something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, maybe. Yeah, in the was it the ice vault or I don't remember now trying to remember i'm trying to remember myself i've kind of oh, lost track. it's the, the one with the death room thing 
you know, it was that room with all the. My God, I can't remember that exactly, but I. Remember I just that. remember there was like it was like there was like three of you, I think. Mm-hmm. With I thought it was with um. The chick from Atlas, who name gone. Now, I thought sure? it was that one. It might have yeah. been Once Upon a Wasteland. Was it Once Upon a Wasteland? It might have been the case. And you broke into that vault, and then one by Trayvon one, Escapage y'all got killed. You're thinking of too, though. One by one, y'all got y'all got killed. I think you might be thinking of the True Vault escapades with the Cage Chronicles. Maybe, maybe. I don't. I don't. I don't remember. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> now that I think about it, it may have been that. But you yeah. were with some girl. Was was she the one who led that? No, Possibly. no matter. I don't but remember. I just remember hearing, and I was like, I know that. <laughs> I played a lot of roles, man. <laughs> they might have been there for three minutes, but I was there a lot. Mine are always background. <laughs> Nobody knows anything yeah. about me. <laughs> like, I played the doctor in Once Upon a Wasteland. That's one where I ended up with, you know, the main characters. That was when they were, um, oh, what was that machine that messed with your head, changed your oh, head? The, um, oh, the, uh, the, 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 the lounge thing, right? That yeah, you, yeah, that yeah. The, memory lounge, the, me- yeah. the memory lounge, that's yeah, what that was. Yeah, I was one of the scientists that worked on the memory lounge that was perfecting it, and then... Oh, for at the, the sleep thing? In there, I kind of right. helped with the change in the climax of the thing. Yeah, I, I had a role to play there. <laughs> cool. I've had now important that's... parts. They just yeah. last for a very short time, and then I die. <laughs> mm. Well, like I said, don't you have nothing to worry? Well, okay, I can't say that completely. You're pretty set. <laughs> you're, you're pretty set for a while, at least so, for a while, uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, Texas, the yeah. character we love to kill off. Well, eventually, you know, <laughs> I've Willis never been kill killed. Something. I'm just so transient. <laughs> just, you know, and I've never voice actor. I play waitresses and random people and vendors. <laughs> Got to find like, something that fits you right, Maverick. That that is true, and I have this. And I wear this headset, and I have no good Wi-Fi, so it's all, it, yeah. yeah. You got to find something that fits you as a person. Like that's the main thing about like that I found with voice acting is, like I've tried to like just on a whim I'll go through and I'll be like I'll try this role and that role and this role and this role and this role and then I'll get in there and start reading and I go I don't care enough about this. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't feel it, so I just can't do it. So as much as I think it's a good role, and actually sometimes it's a paying role, you know. Yeah. And I'm like looking at it, and then when I read it, I'm like, I don't feel it. Like, and then I'll listen to other people, and I'm like, I hear a lot of them just sound like they're reading off a piece of paper nine times out of ten. No, it's this is like blah 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 blah. It's like, can you not blah, put blah. a little can bit of personality into kind it? of be a little bit excited or actually yeah. play? You know, like you're there. And it's happening to you. And then there's those times where you're just like, I'll be doing it. And I'll be like, that almost sounds like I'm reading off of some paper. And it's just because I don't feel it. I don't, it, it doesn't, I don't feel connected with the character. I don't feel connected with the story. I have to feel a connection with both for me to be able to be a legitimate actor in that situation. No, no I feel how that. short and stupid the role is. I had a lot of fun today yelling at my computer because my character was very, Angry, shouty, um, large and in charge. <laughs> and it was fun. <laughs> so if you ever need a shouty character, I can do that. People doubted me. And I was like, no, you don't know me very well. <laughs> Everybody was like, I don't see you doing something like I that. I wouldn't like, even be doing this if it wasn't yeah. for Lawrence. So he's oh. one that talked me into it. <laughs> well, I, I will say it's a, 
I've worked with people all over the spectrum, people that that are professional voice actors versus people that are just doing it for the first time. And you actually hit the nail on the head. It's It actually comes down to emotion because you could be really good at doing voices, but if you can't connect to the character, it still mm-hmm. sounds like crap. I mean, at the end of the day, it, it's just somebody reading you know, reading notes off of a page. But if you do care about the character and you can emote, it actually sounds great. And in, in a lot of cases, I'm also, me personally, I'm not looking for perfect. I'm looking for somebody that cares about the character and and that's also a community. It's also a community thing too. I love getting members of the community involved. I mean, mm. um, you know, the guy that played Tyson, um, you know, I, I would say he's a he's a not the greatest voice actor in the world, but darn if he didn't nail Tyson and and loved that character to death. And I told him when I told him I was going to have to kill him, I expected him to be like upset. He was like, "No, that's exactly how I want to die. Like, do it. Like, it just was- do it." It was the perfect ending for him. It was. That yeah. was, I mean, just the way you really, and like you really brought his character home in the last couple episodes. And that was really good. That's yeah. time, I don't even know what's going on. You're like, Beckett dies. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> well, it's like, I try not. So I, there's been times when I've read the whole script and then, you know, listened later. And then there's times where I just only read what pertains to me because I don't really want to know what else is going on except for that conversation i only read what's at the beginning before what my lines are yeah like a few just chapters that before set. that so that right. i have an idea of leading up to what yep. it is so that i can convey the right emotion but yep. i don't read what's afterwards because uh, now mind you i skim and look for my name to see where the end of my well, life yeah you have to. <laughs> but what after that i won't read past that because i still want to go and listen to the show and i still want that same sensation of whoa Ah, wow. You know, I want that. I want that same emotion. I want to feel the same emotion as I want to convey to the listener myself Mm -hmm. with my characters. You know, I want to get that from the story myself. That's why I always kind of keep from reading too much or too, you know, one way or the other. That way, when I do listen to Lawrence's stories, I stay as interested in, you know, because if I know everything, it will eventually make you jaded to it. You know, you won't. You won't find you, that. You know it's coming, so it's like eh. well, kind of, I guess. But yeah. it's it's different because like I've I've noticed in myself that if I'm going to be in a script more than just a few lines, I'll read the whole thing, um, just to get a gist of the episode. And then if I'm just doing a few lines, like for Neon, I just did you know those what three lines or whatever. I just read the conversation to make sure that it was kind of going to fit in and gel there but it doesn't bother me to go back and listen to it later because it still sounds different to me because you have everyone's intonations how they did it not how you read it and you have everybody's different take on everything and then just how that all comes together is like way different than the way i read it yeah just trying so to keep it's my still a surprise, surprise. we drifted way off from super mutants though <laughs> no. yeah. well yeah well i will say again i think that it's you know kind of to bring it all bring it all kind of back FEV has been a staple of all of the Fallout stories. It's been involved in all of them. Super Mutants have pretty much been involved in in all of them. You can see different takes on the Super Mutants. Um, We've seen different varieties from the ones that are berserkers all the way down to the ones who are childlike in the way that they interact with us because they are kind of like strong. To me, strong is like a child. Like he's, he's big and whatever, but he's just looking for one particular thing. 
And there's a lot that can be mined there. And they do exist as characters that we can care about. But we think, you know, I, I think collectively, we think they should be doing a lot more with them. I think that there's there's more in the future that Bethesda should actually evolve player characters to super mutants. I think we should actually find super mutant settlements that we can interact with. Uh, I think yeah, all of I'm that would be absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I think they should come up with a, like a storyline where there's actually some sort of an antidote that's created so that they can start turning super mutants back and then having super mutants that have conflicts with wanting to turn back or not to wanting to turn back and right. you know creating a storyline dynamic around that kind of situation to where there's you know they, they get to a certain point where they get their intelligence and then they're like well i, I still want to be super strong and i still want this and that and they're like conflicted you know and i think there should be a dynamic of that somewhere along the line and possibly the dynamic between um being able to reproduce and create families and you know maybe the super mutant should become a race of its own that's a legitimate race and you know how they should have their own society or something of that nature and mm -hmm. you know create some sort of a storyline dynamic revolving around that i think that would be something you could travel down mm -hmm. i agree i mean i'm and i'm wondering you know again you you kind of made the joke don about there being a uh, Starfield may be the only game that we're still alive for. Uh, Fallout <laughs> 5 might be a few years away. But I'm really mm -hmm. hoping that when Fallout 5 comes out, and, and we know that they're working on it, that it does actually have a much larger story. Um, I, I'm actually still interested in them seeing if they could do something like that and actually still maintain some of the multiplayer component, only because I never thought I'd love a multiplayer game. And yeah. Fallout 76 has kind of taught me to love multiplayer. Um but at yeah. the same time, I won't say no to a single-player Fallout. You know what I would love to see that would chap some asses? <laughs> it's them to make a Fallout New Vegas 2 and make it an online <laughs> multiplayer. crazy. <laughs> I, I think the community might eat though. itself at that point. That might be, <laughs> be a, uh... a total meltdown. I can it, just... would. it would. It would. It would be gross. I've seen gaming communities go crazy over stuff like that. Oh, but usually it, in tabletop. But I have to. They'll remember like, me too. They'll be like, "You came up with this idea. It's your fault. It's your fault." <laughs> no, I think it sounds good. I mean, and you you said the exact same way that I felt. I mean, I've never played a multiplayer game outside of Lego Universe with my kid when mm -hmm. that existed. I actually um, legitimately think that that would not be a bad idea to do something like. Because mm -mm. it would actually but, uh, create a situation where... Even if it's just a couple people, like you have like a little squad of four people that you want to play with. And well, that was it. Like you, could not you could create it almost like a co-op-y kind of thing where it's only so many. Yeah. But um, uh, it, it would create more of a community even more than there already is for that whole New Vegas line right. of, of, of you know fans that are out there. And there's a lot of them. We know that for sure. Oh, gosh, yeah. They're... Very, they're loud and you know, proud. They're loud and proud, you know, <laughs> but to create an online element that doesn't break the game, because mm -hmm. that's what they're worried about in a lot of cases, and then make sure that the lore is actually adhered to. If you take that time and you actually pay attention to the lore and you paid attention to not breaking the game, you know, you could create an online element where it's not a bunch of silliness like it is in, in um, you know, Fallout 76 kind of went overboard with the whole, you know, silliness part which is a lot of the argument of the new vegas people is that they want to keep that seriousness that you get from new vegas 
And if you can keep and yet that everybody serious played with nature, Wild Wastelander. What's that? Or whatever that was called. Wild Wild yeah. Wasteland or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah wild, wild, yeah, wild Wasteland, yeah. Everybody played with that. <laughs> and yet they want it to be serious. Well, you know, I mean, well, I'm, I, I can't speak for that whole community. Come on. You know, yeah. uh, but, uh, you know, what I'm saying is I've, I've heard argument that, you know, like us 76ers, you know, that play the pink helmets and the kitty cat paws and, you know, it's the, it's, it's the overwatching of overwatching of. Yeah. Fallout is what yeah. they is what yeah. people call it. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit much for some people. So sure. create a venue for them, something that yeah. they can bite oh, Fortnite. into. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Of. Fortnite. That's, Fortnite. That's what yeah. I was thinking. It was Fortnite. Fortnite how yeah. they turn everything. Overwatch, into. Fortnite, same diff. But <laughs> well, they called Fallout Four Sims, so whatever. Um, <laughs> but you know, the thing about Seventy Six is it wasn't just a multiplayer game, but it gave birth to so many creative elements for people um whether it was machinima or podcasts or uh blogs or whatever theater um, the, the the fallout the theater, wasteland theater exactly. company i mean come so on so many different fight club all of that you know different things Shh, that people don't do. talk about fight club. don't talk about fight club. <laughs> you never talk about fight club if you talk about fight club you're out of fight club <laughs> <laughs> litter box sites <laughs> but um you know it just that's the thing that i think was truly surprising to me and that's what made me really fall in love with 76 so much because i mean i quit the game once before for a while because you know back in the day when things weren't really happening and it was like eh, i don't know if i really like this there's no npcs and there's all these random people that i don't know but that was early days and like now things are so much better where you can talk to people and you can get to know people and you can play with people well, that it's are, like that any you game like. you're gonna get burned out playing the same thing all the time that's why you have to have variety right and but that's why people started it. making things up which yeah. was yeah but we were able to you know very true very true yeah pretty cool awesome i love talking to you guys I don't I don't get I don't get enough of this like adult nerd conversation. I need more oh my of this. Gosh. Oh, well you are welcome yeah, back you. whenever yeah. you want. Whenever now, you, you need a I can, dose I'll of... say I don't think there'd be a person here to have a problem with you here every week. No. <laughs> uh, not at all. Yep. Open door policy here. Exactly. Yeah. Whenever you want to hop on, we're here Thursday nights. <laughs> Lawrence is Lawrence like, is I was just trying corner. to be really, uh, I was just trying to be polite, but all right. <laughs> hey, we, we, we've had discussions about bringing on more hosts so that mm -hmm. we could free up other individuals who, you know, their life gets crazy. Gingerino just had a kid, you know, Romer and Maverick, they, they're truck drivers. So at any moment they can just have a narcoleptic <laughs> fit <laughs> and then crazy. they're gone. So, you know, <laughs> things happen so it, we were like hmm maybe we should bring in some new blood and then there's the new blood versus old blood bringing in people that well who cares either way i mean as long as we are having a good time and a good conversation that's what i worry about yeah just make yeah. sure we have the right people the right mix of people on can talk gotta be like-minded that's that's yes. all okay. yeah so yeah, yeah so we love nerding it up so um what do you got coming up got anything you want to promote want to plug something yeah, just real quick. So we, uh, well, first of all, I'll say we did just release the last the last episode of our second season uh, several weeks ago. So I would encourage everyone nice. to check us out on Spotify and uh, iTunes. Look up the Modus Files. Uh, again, very epic episodes that we had. Uh, upcoming, 
Uh, we are actually going to be part of the new Starfield uh, podcast anthology. Uh, so we have an episode coming up probably in a couple of months called Neon, uh, a story of the seedy underbelly of the City of Lights, uh, which is, uh, again, called Neon. Uh, so that will be coming out. And then our bridge episode between season two and season three is going to be a special bedtime episode, a uh, bedtime stories episode that tells the story of Trader Red, um, who is a character that we introduced this past season. Um, so that will be coming out. And then season three. Uh, which will be actually our final season of the Modus Files, um, is going to be coming out this fall. Um, but it will be probably 20 to 30 episodes, so we will be doing that for quite some time. Uh, so please stay tuned. Um, you can check us out on Twitter, at Modus Files. We're on Blue Sky. Uh, same thing, the Modus Files podcast, uh, Instagram, uh, threads. Um, all you have to do is just look up Modus Files and you will find us. And we would love to have you as part of our community. Awesome. Good stuff. I need yeah. to get me a blue sky invite. <laughs> if I get nice. one, I'll, if I if I get one, I'll send it to you. I don't even know what blue sky is. It's another mm -hmm. platform that people are trying because of the new X platform. Oh. <laughs> kind of swirl in the drain. Is that the whole like Twitter like war stuff? Yes. I try not yes. to. Yes. We're all we're all trying to find a we're new. We're not thing. changing anything. I just wait until here. somebody goes, hey, go here. Okay. <laughs> well, it's... We're it, not you know, changing. If things ever dry up on Twitter, where there's, like, nobody there and there's no <laughs> connection or anything, then we're, we will. <laughs> if you go screaming in the canyon with nobody in it, it's not going to yeah. be really useful. I mean, you, you got to go where the people are. Yeah. But right now, people are still sticking it out on, on Twitter. You know, it's it's just... I know a lot of people are also exploring yeah new i've sites. explored around just yeah uh, kenneth popped up with something and i was like jumping over there checking it out and it's like a discord uh it's an alternative to discord because he got ripped off by discord yeah he did yeah like big uh, time oh is it like gilded or whatever i think is that's it what it was something like yeah. that yeah yeah I yeah I, someone done anything with it yeah, someone tried to one one of my uh role-playing groups yeah i i'm in role-playing woo Tried to move over, but then it just died instantly. So we went back to Discord because <laughs> we didn't okay. know what was up with it. So do we know what we're doing next week, guys? We already figured no. that out. No. Oh, cool. We'll no figure plans. that. Well, when we figure that out, we'll let y'all know. All right, folks. <laughs> we're gonna go ahead and hop off Thanks, here. Man. Hope you had a great night. I hope you enjoyed our talk about super mutants. Thank you, Lawrence, for being on the show. And everybody, say good night. Good night. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Ever wanted to be a content creator but had no clue where to begin? Come join me as I sit down with content creators that have already faced the challenges you're up against as they discuss the tips and tricks that help them be successful. Here on The Content Creator's Guide. Available wherever podcasts can be found.